Looking for a vacation that actually feels like a good movie? Well, look no more. With Carnival Cruise Line, it's all up to you. You can kick back or dive right into the fun. Paddleboard in the crystal clear waters of one of Carnival's exclusive destinations, Half Moon Key in the Bahamas. Take an ATV ride through the jungle or just relax on white sandy Caribbean beaches. The fun continues on ship from a ride on Bolt roller coaster to a moment of pure bliss at Cloud Nine Spa. Kick off the evening with a craft cocktail at any of Carnival's dazzling bars and lounges and take your pick of restaurants from surf and turf to family-style Italian. Then settle in for an evening of live entertainment. So pack those bags, but be sure to leave room for a few unforgettable memories because no one does fun like Carnival. Book your dream vacation at Carnival.com. Ships Registry, The Bahamas, and Panama. Your spring is about to get a whole lot more power with the Home Depot. Get gas-like power for mowing, trimming, and blowing with the RYOBI 18-volt OnePlus system starting at just $89. Mowing power that can take on a third of an acre with one charge. Trimming power with up to two hours of runtime and blower power with 110 miles per hour of clearing force all on one interchangeable battery. Get the cordless gas-like power for the entire lawn with the RYOBI 18-volt OnePlus system only at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Did you know that socks, tees, and underwear are the top requested clothing items in homeless shelters? Well, Bombas is helping by creating comfy essentials and donating one item for each one purchased. Whether that's an arch-supporting sock, which I have many, a buttery soft tee, ooh, so good, and underwear that feels like nothing, which sounds weird but actually is pretty great. And why do I love Bombas? Well, I'm getting something great, but I know I'm also doing something great. So, when you are ready to get comfy and give back, head over to bombas.com slash bonkers and use the code bonkers for 20% off your first purchase. What's up, jerks? It is Jason Manzukas here to host this episode of Last Looks, where we're going to be talking about your insights into the Fast X and all of the Fast and Furious franchises, including someone who wrote in to tell us that way they watched all nine movies concurrently on nine different screens. That's insane. We're also going to spend some time talking to alone contestant Wonia Tebow, who sat down with Paul and I to talk about her new book, to talk about Alone Frozen, and basically talk about all things alone, which I could not have been more excited about. And quite honestly, I've got a lot to say about people's screen usernames. If you want to know about it, get involved. All that and more on today's How Did This Get Made? Last Looks. Play the song. Go. What's up, jerks? Well, 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 here we are. Jason Manzook is here, not Paul Shear, for your Last Looks episode. I'm here with Molly. I'm here with Scott. Uh, Alex is here somewhere, but I told him to turn his fucking camera off. <laughs> What's up, Jason? How What's we doing, up? team? Hey, um, Jason. You, you, you called me in a panic. You said, mm -hmm. 
Jason, you got to get down here. You got to get down here. We need a last look. And I said, I'll, I'll be right there. Thank I, you, Jason. I got on a bird scooter. I, I, I rode 25 miles. I'm right here. I'm ready to rock this. Um, we're here to do a last looks episode. What does that mean? I don't know, really. They've given me a script. I've just opened it for the first time. I- I'm going to cold read this, guys. Uh, let's see what happens. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about the Fast X episode that just happened. We're going to talk about um, an incredible interview you're going to hear later on that Paul and I did with a, like, absolute legend in the game, uh, Wonia Thibault from uh, Alone, um, Alone uh, Frozen and Alone Season 6. Um, incredible, incredible conversation that we had. I could not have been more excited to talk to anybody in history than Wonia. Um, I see here it tells me I have to give a big, all caps, shout out to Rob from Long Island. You know what? Rob from Long Island, great, awesome theme song. Well done. Giving me real magnetic Fields vibes. If you've got a song for Last Looks, guys, get it to us as quickly as possible. If you are wanting your music out there, this is a great way to showcase yourself. If you've got those theme songs, send them to us at, wait a second, I'm putting my glasses on. How did this get made at Earwolf.com? Interesting. But here's the deal. Keep them fucking short. I'm talking 15, 20 seconds. I'm talking about a verse and a chorus. We don't need a big instrumental intro. Just keep it tight, keep it jam-packed, and keep it interesting. That's what we need for these Last Looks theme songs. At some point, I would love it if these were all made available. Wouldn't that be oh. cool? Mm. If there was a, a Spotify playlist, I'm sure we couldn't do it on Spotify, but if there was a way... oh. This brings up an interesting question. I'm going to go fully off script. <laughs> I'm here's this is a question for uh, the team here on the call, but also a larger question to the audience because I suspect someone is going to have the answer, which is at the when I knew I was going to come and do this, I started to put together a a one a, a spring playlist that I wanted to share with the uh, share with the listeners. Uh, a playlist of all the stuff that I've been listening to this spring, going into summer, summer playlist. Come on. Great stuff. There's a lot of great music out. I want to put it out there. What's the best way, or is there a best way, to platform agnostically publish a playlist? I could publish a Spotify. I could I could l- log in and create a, an anonymous... I, mostly, I don't want people to have my you know, access my Spotify, but also not everybody uses Spotify, you know, um, not everybody uses Apple Music or all of these, every, all these people are on so much, so many different platforms. Is there a way to create a playlist that I could include in the show notes that boom, everybody could just access it? <sighs> oh, audible gasp from Molly. No, I, I'm, you're blowing my mind at the sheer possibility. The first thing that comes to mind is maybe like, YouTube playlists because like everyone maybe, has access to YouTube. Yeah. Maybe that's it, and it's just that's how you. That's how I. Pro, but boy, is that how I'd like to hear from the audience? Is that when you want to listen to music? How many of you are going to YouTube and hitting play versus Alex? You? Yeah, I, I subscribe to YouTube Music. That's my, my that's my jam because you get YouTube Premium, YouTube no ads, 
and YouTube Music. It's this is it's starting all, to sound like one. a lot of an ad for YouTube. <laughs> I'm Alex. sorry, but yes, this is it's the way to go. It is the way to go. I, okay, I do want to say that Alex is sitting in a YouTube branded chair <laughs> wearing a YouTube branded T-shirt. Um, oh, that's interesting. I've never once engaged with YouTube Music. I didn't. Frankly, this might be the first time I've ever even heard of it. This so, is the, the first hit face. that I get when I Google how to publish a playlist. So maybe YouTube music. YouTube. And if you want one month free on YouTube music, use promo code <laughs> bonkers. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Okay. So that's this is at least a very good, potentially a good first step. But mm-hmm. if anybody out there has any other way to do this or any way that's simple or, or easy, uh, let us know. I, I'd be curious because... It would be fun. I, I do. I publish a, a, a seasonal playlist every season uh, to my friends, and it would be fun if I could throw something out to to people every once in a while just to highlight bands I like or songs that I'm liking. You know, I feel like, you know, things that have taken off, you know, th- things that I've really enjoyed sharing with the podcast fans are like Mannequin Pussy's Drunk 2 that I feel like people really got into or stuff like that. Um, I'd love to be able to kind of not just shout out artists, but throw up a song or put out uh, uh, something so that people can can click and access it immediately. All right, here we go. The next section just says plugs. Guess what? By now you've maybe heard, but perhaps not. We're going back on tour, baby. We're coming to New York, Boston, Philly, D.C., right? I didn't I did it in the wrong order, but those are the cities. So if you're in those cities, we're going to be coming to you and we'd love to see you. Come on out. Get those tickets. You can get them right now if you haven't already. I'm going to say this. I'm just going to go out on a limb, even though we're recording this early. They're all sold out. Yep. The shows are currently (laughs) completely sold out. That may be not true. Uh, So if you're wondering, go to HDTGM.com for tour dates, purchase information. There's links there where you can go. Get tickets. Um, hopefully, uh, my assumption is we've sold out all the shows in a manner that nobody can complain about. And we're in every city that people wanted us to be in. <laughs> oh, yeah. Without any disappointments that we're mm-hmm. not coming to cities. I love when people are like, when we announce the cities, when people are like, why aren't you coming to? And either they say a city that is less than an hour from one of the cities we are going to, or... <laughs> They say, like, why aren't you coming to a place that is on the other side of the country? We're doing an East Coast tour. Why aren't you coming to Albuquerque? What? (laughs) It's a hard, it's a hard pass, Albuquerque. (laughs) I love the, like, UK tour, win, now, Uh, question mark. Here's what I'll say. I agree. And Molly, thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. I would love to do a UK tour. Mm-hmm. I'd love to. I want to come and do the Soho Theater. I want to come. I want to go and do Edinburgh and Dublin. And I want to fucking go and do the UK. Do you motherfuckers out there think you'll come? Will you show up? Will enough people buy tickets to warrant us getting on a very long plane ride? So, you know, I'd like to know. Tell us how many tickets you're going to buy, where you would like us to play in London or in what venues. You know what? You guys do the legwork. <laughs> you guys, UK fans, why don't you book the, the How Did This Get Made tour? Um, 
Where should we play? How many people are you going to bring? And also, again, don't forget, what's your deal? Mm-hmm. Okay, and what, cool. uh, what airport should we fly into? Oh, great question. Heathrow? Heathrow or Gatwick? Gatwick. Oh, uh, no one wants to go Gatwick. I mean, it seems as though, I mean, it seems like the Newark of London, right? <laughs> Definitely. That's a great slogan. Gatwick, the Newark of London. Let's yeah, that that's right. That's right, Gatwick. We've got we've got your number. Oh man, people are gonna be so mad at this episode. Wow. I can't wait for Paul to listen to this and be like, you spent an hour just talking about <laughs> just yelling at fans in cities we didn't go to. <laughs> and so you're berating fans that, uh, that are we are not even going to that tour that we're not even touring there. It's oh their fault. Scott, we're never going to be allowed back on Last Looks. This is no, it. This is no, it. this is it. By the way, we better go this, out with a blaze of glory. <laughs> this is this is what Last Looks is now. This Burn is it Last Looks. Burn the ground. Yeah. Burn everybody. Burn the, There are no rules. <laughs> Speaking of there are no rules, we have two new t-shirts for sale at tpublic.com. <laughs> Seamless transition. Okay, the first one, and I'm just now seeing this. <laughs> The first one is from a note I made in my notes. Uh, when I watched, I went and saw Fast uh, 10, Fast X, twice. I've been to the movies, as I said in the episode, three times in the last three and a half years. Two of them were to see Fast X. And the second time I went, I was, let's say, medium stoned. Mm-hmm. Stoned enough, though, that I wrote in my notes, uh-oh, Momoa. <laughs> and boy, did I laugh at myself in my seat. When I wrote that, and so much so that I read it, and now look at this—it's a T-shirt. It's an Aoa Momoa T-shirt, although it's not a picture of Momoa. Interestingly, I would have put a picture of Momoa in, but it's a picture of the cellophane-taped head of one of the corpses that Momoa is interacting with in that very bizarre scene where he's doing a puppet show with the two, where he's like basically, you know, uh, weekend at Bernie's, weekend at Bernie's style, hanging out with two dead henchmen. Um, so it's a picture of one of those henchmen, face all taped up, and um, and a an umbrella, a fancy umbrella drink. If anyone buys this shirt, please send us a photo of you wearing this oh in God, public. Please. Oh, and I'll just- I'll go one better. Please send us a picture of you wearing this in public with your face all taped up with cellophane tape. <laughs> Listen, I've already got pushback saying that this design is a little too disturbing. And um, to them, Wait, I say, fuck what, you. What, what are mm-hmm. you talking Guys, don't <laughs> complain about the stuff. Guys, stop whining. Jeez Louise. Oh, we also have a brand new. Oh, look at this. I've been just now seeing this. We have a brand new Largo shirt for all of our Los Angeles fans. So that means only people in Los Angeles can buy this shirt. <laughs> I guess no. anyone else can buy yeah, it. Yeah, well. this is so this is an this is a t-shirt image, which is the stage of Largo with the 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 John Bryan piano, our three seats, the how did this get made logo, the red curtain, the famous twinkly lights up top. The only thing we're missing is the um is the uh, is the carpet, the carpet that we sit on. Um, but this is a great, uh, I, I love this as, this feels like this is our home base. I love that. That's a, that's a great t-shirt design. Love it. And if anyone is upset about the carpet, you can mail Jason your shirts and he'll put like some felt carpet yeah. on the shirt. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll staple some, uh, I'll staple some, uh, some carpet samples uh, <laughs> to your, uh, to your shirt. Uh, and if you do get this shirt, 
Get a picture of yourself wearing this shirt inside of Largo. Come on, guys. Face all taped up. Face <laughs> all taped up. From now on, everything should have tape face guy. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to hear your thoughts on Fast X. Um, and then we're going to do... Uh, so we do a thing now where Discord users submit a tagline and we choose one. Jesus Christ. And put okay, it... This is <laughs> so if you want to take that again. So I'm doing other... I'm not taking it again. Keep all of this in. Keep everything in. <laughs> this is all in. Lest you think we cut stuff out. Nope. This is the whole deal. All right, so I'm going to read this through. Uh, when we come back, we're going to hear your thoughts on Fast X, a movie that should have had the tagline, quote, the devil wears scrunchies, unquote. That alt tagline was courtesy of Discord user Arkham Player. So this is what I don't like. <laughs> I w- hey, Arkham Player, just send us your name. I don't want to have to credit Arkham Player. That's ludicrous. I don't want to have to be like, thank you. That tagline was submitted to us by, you know, Nutjob76. You know, uh, I don't I don't like that. Hey, that's my I want to know who I want to know who submitted it. And I know Arkham Player is who you are, uh, I guess, on the Discord. Everybody's got to be like, uh, we now know you play Arkham, I guess. Anyway. It's cool if I dress down the person who's done something nice and submitted something to the show, right? That's a, of course, that's a of cool course. thing to do. Okay, great. Uh, so thank you, Arkham Player. If you want to submit your own tagline, hit up our Discord at, oh boy, discord.gg, which I can only assume stands for Gilmore Girls, slash HDTGM, which I do know stands for, how did this get made? So that's discord.gilmoregirls slash HDTGM. Oh, and we'll be right back. Go to the break. Boom. How Did This Get Made Made is sponsored by Squarespace. That's right. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your terms. Now, let me tell you this. Now they have this Fluid Engine, which is a next-generation website design system where you can just drag and drop It's so easy. It's so fun. Plus, they have this asset library so you can merge all your files from one central hub. I love it so much. Now, let me tell you, I talk about their customer support. I had an issue. Something went wrong. And not only did they get back to me in a timely fashion, but they solved my problem and Squarespace passed the Paul Shear test. All right. So you could check out my website with a very new feature. That's right. An exclusive feature that allows you access to Paul Shear's childhood. If you bought my book, you can sign up for that and you can get videos and pictures and all this kind of cool stuff. I built that on Squarespace. Check it all out. I love Squarespace. You will too. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash bonkers to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. How did this get made? We'll be going to the UK in March and April, not just the UK. We're also going to Ireland. And you know what? I am excited to go overseas, but I realized that while I'm spending money over there, I could actually be making some money on the side over here by hosting my place. Now, let me tell you about hosting your place. It's something that you can do. It's available for everyone. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Now, many people uh, host on Airbnb, but there are people who have never thought about it or didn't realize that their space could even be an Airbnb. I mean, hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. 
Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Do you know when Crystal Pepsi was discontinued? What was in Al Capone's vault? Or which famous meteorologist is Lenny Kravitz's second cousin? If not, then you haven't spent enough time on Wikipedia. But that's okay, because you can learn it all on the new podcast, WikiHole, from Smartless Media. Discover the craziest rabbit holes on Wikipedia with host Darcy Carden and her favorite comedian friends as they bring the cyber frontier directly to your tympanic membrane. And if you listen to WikiHole, you'd learn that's the sciencey term for eardrum. WikiHole is a hyperlink roller coaster starting out on one Wikipedia page and then going from link to link to link to link, careening through trivia, oddities, and unexpected connections until everyone wonders... How the hell did we get here? Follow WikiHole on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to WikiHole ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. All right, back. We're back. Let's get into it. We had questions about Fast X. Uh, We might have even missed some stuff. You guys have thoughts, I'm sure. In fact, this whole segment is exactly about that. You and your dumb thoughts. So here we go. Let's do the theme song for corrections and omissions. This is its own theme song? Perfect. Perfect. Wow. These so far home runs. Both songs have been home runs. Loved that one. Thank you. Bombay Beach Revival. Uh, I you check them out. Um, you know, I think we're one of the biggest selling bands. The huge band now. We've given them a platform. Huge band. Let's go to the Discord. All caps. All bold. And once again, I don't care for the fact that I'm having to read these from the people's uh, screen names. Okay, so this is from, get ready for it, Time Bomb Man. (laughs) Paul hypothesizes that The Rock might have only agreed to come back to the franchise if John Cena's character is killed off. I have a different theory. This is, to be clear, Time Bomb Man's theory, not mine. I am giving voice to someone else's theory. This is, I do not stand by this. I've not read this yet. So I just want to make sure me, Jason Manzoukas, I don't stand by Time Bomb Man, but this is his theory. I have a different theory. Colon. I think the final scene where they reveal Giselle to be alive makes less sense as the final scene of the movie and more as a post credit scene. So my theory is that The Rock gave in to come back to the franchise when Black Adam tanked and he got put aside in the DC film's power struggle. So they filmed a new post credit scene revealing his return and tacked Gal Gadot's scene onto the end of the movie instead of ending with the cut to Black after the dam explosion. Okay. Time Bomb Man. I think you're 100% right. Not only do I think you're 100% right, I think you have been proven true definitively by the tireless reporting of Griffin Newman on the Blank Check podcast. No, I apologize. I I take it back fully. It is Griffin Newman, but he's on High and Mighty. He's on John Gabris's High and Mighty podcast, which I heartily recommend to everyone. They... As we have been uh, uh, for many years going through the Fast and Furious movies uh, with Adam Scott, 
and most recently with Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Um, Gabrus and Griffin uh, have been going through them as well on Gabrus's podcast, High and Mighty, which is fantastic. Griffin on that episode talked at length about talking to someone who had seen a preview uh, of this movie, of Fast X, in which there was no rock post-credit scene. And indeed, as Time Bomb Man hypothesizes, Gal Gadot's um, submarine cameo was the post-credit scene. So wow. we can cross that off. You did it, Time Bomb Man. You nailed it. And also, I'm delighted to be able to shout out High and Mighty, uh, Gabrus's hilarious podcast. Uh, you know him most recently from his episode of our podcast that he was just at uh, at Largo, which was Torque, right? Yeah. Uh, yes, where he ate a where spider he ate live a on spider. stage. <laughs> I was just going to say. I've been meaning to ask you about this, Jason. <laughs> oh, oh <Can> really? <laughs> about when Gabrus <laughs> ate a spider that was descending from the ceiling? I was far away in the theater, so I wanted to get the truth. He he, a hundred percent ate it. Is that correct? Oh, oh. Let me be absolutely clear. He, one hundred percent. So there was a spider descending from the ceiling, um, center stage. Um, you know, a couple of feet in front of June. It wasn't going to hit any of us or anything like that, but it was descending in a way that the light was hitting it so you could see it. It was very visible at a certain point in its descent. And so I think I said something or Gabrus, so I can't remember who said something first, but Gabrus jumped up uh, in an effort to take care of it because it was getting to, it was getting to head height. And it seemed as though he was going to grab it. You know, it was also a small spider. It wasn't a big spider. Let's be clear. It's not like a tarantula or something. But anyway, it looked like he was just going to grab it and get rid of it. And instead, he went up to it, puckered his lips like he was going to kiss it, and sucked in. He sucked it. Oh he sucked it. He sucked he it in sucked with his breath. In. He sucked it in like, like with his breath. like, <laughs> And just, it was gone. And I've... I, my, I like fully short circuited <laughs> and gay. I will say a little peek behind the scenes. Gabrus backstage afterwards said when he got up to take care of the spider, he didn't think he was going to eat it. He oh. just thought he was going to grab it and that he himself was surprised. <laughs> Listen, he smelled, he smelled how delicious it was up close and he just couldn't resist. Wow. One thing led to another. Next thing you know, he's eating the spider. Holy is, shit. Is PETA coming I, after us for this? Go, oh, mm. Jesus. Oh my God. I <sighs> hope not. They're all up you in might arms. not have seen this. Uh, you might not have seen this, Jason, because you're not on social media, but around a month later, Patton Oswalt tweeted a photo from Largo where a spider was no. also descending upon the stage. What? At his show. So oh, there might be some sort of some sort of nest okay. up there. I don't know. Can we can we add a spider's nest or a descending <laughs> spider to the Largo t-shirt? Yes. Because we're already going back in to put the rug in. So great. <laughs> absolutely. And the spider has a taped up face. <laughs> oh, I like this. It, Molly, this see, this is it. great. This is great. See, this is this is the kind this is the kind of last looks episode that you guys are having. Rollicking fun. We're getting shit done. Okay. See, this is what I'm talking about. So this next correction and omission comes from Dr. Guts 1003. I mean, long time submitter. Is it really long time submitter? Thank you, yeah, Dr. Yeah. Guts, for your continued support of the show. But can that mean 
that this person, when they tried to submit, there were a thousand and two <laughs> Dr. Gutses on the Discord? It could be. I mean, what? How does that happen? I would love, I would love Dr. Guts. Here, oh, you know what? Here's the thing. If you're not going to put your real name in, because I guess everybody wants to be anonymous on whatever the internet and, and so forth. If you don't want to give your real name, because boy, would I like to say Dr. Would I like to say, okay, this is coming from so-and-so, your real name. Explain, why am I calling you Dr. Guts? Well, okay, how about this? As a recurring segment on Last Looks, a peek behind uh, the login name or whatever this is. What's this mm. called? An avatar? No, that's not an avatar. That's a picture. Username. What is this? Uh, username. Uh, username. Yeah, okay. Username. Uh, username. 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 Yeah. Okay, great. Or how about that as a segment? What's the story behind Dr. Guts 1003? Anyway, who cares? <laughs> Dr. Guts 1003 writes, when Little B tells Jacob that he doesn't like to fly, was that simply meant to be an innocuous comment that a kid his age would say? Or was the movie implying that Little B fully remembers what happened to him on the plane in Fate of the Furious, including his mom Elena getting killed and getting carried around by Shaw in the middle of a shootout? I don't think that that is... Uh, Dr. Guts, I don't think the movie is suggesting that that the baby remembers those events. I think, I think it seemed as though uh, the movie was trying to set up this idea of uh, Little B being a nervous flyer so that it would be, that would be heightened <laughs> when, when they take a child to the cargo part of an airplane, put him into a, I don't know, a, a two seat glider um, uh, or whatever that mini airplane is. They, uh, an airplane that looks like a canoe <laughs> in a in a in a bag, it looks like John Cena is walking around with a canoe in a bag, and in, or a kayak rather in a bag. And instead, it is a miniature airplane that barely seats two people. And then the doors open, and that plane like just falls into the sky. Um, so no, Doctor Guts one thousand and three. I don't think um, the movie was implying that Little B remembers what happened, uh, especially because if you remember. Uh, Deckard Shaw put uh, noise-canceling headphones on the baby <laughs> during the uh, shootout action sequence, and then ultimately when they jumped out of an airplane together. I didn't think about that. That was the second time he's jumped out of an airplane. Oh, yeah. yeah. This kid loves falling out of airplanes. It's like part of It's baked into his thing. Okay, so now in all caps and bold, it says, Let's go to the phones. Zero three. I don't know why I'm saying zero three. Uh. That's just the Scott? tech Q number. So you okay. can ignore the number and just say... I'm going to go one better. I'm going to go one better. Tech Q number 03 <laughs> is from Anonymous. Let's hear it. So back in December, I was part of a test screening for FastX. And one thing they did remove from the official version is that Reacher and Jason Momoa or brothers, uh, their uh, their dad uh, mentions work with your brother. All right, love the show. Bye. Fascinating, really interesting. Uh, this uh, also a revelation in the High and Mighty episode that Gabrus and Griffin Newman talked about. This was also discussed, and I think this is super interesting. And I'm genuinely curious why they uh, abandoned that because I like the idea of. 
um, Momoa and Reacher being brothers. I think that's a that's compelling because it's family versus family, and I like that. And it, it, I mean, obviously, Momoa is the son of the villain from the from that movie, so it is still an element of family. But it would be cool to have this be family like Hatfields and McCoys. Like, let's build let's build a true. If this is going to be three movies. Why not have it be a family versus family? Why not continue to build out the Momoa um, Reacher family into more and more viable bad guys? I would love that instead of just singular bad guys who inevitably end up good guys. You know, like that's the that's the trajectory most Fast and Furious movies run, which is. You know, Charlize is the bad guy. Now she comes and she's helping the good guys. Um, you know, Statham is the bad guy. Then he comes in and is a good guy. So, you know, uh, who is on the team, not a good guy, but on the team, rather. Part of he baked into the family. And even, you know, Reacher has that whole thing where he basically does a, a full previously on <laughs> Fast and Furious, like a 20 minute, <laughs> a 20 minute previously on where he just he just plays clips from the old movies. Like somehow, some think about this. Somehow the agency, Reacher, has access to the footage of the movies Fast and Furious. <laughs> because he's not playing surveillance footage. He's not playing drone footage. He's not playing uh, 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 any kind of, uh, the kind of footage that anybody in that world would be playing. He's playing like 4K VFX like hard close-ups of Vin like driving through the street. He's playing clips from the movies. I feel like we didn't talk about this enough on the show. This was no. next level nonsense when he did the whole breakdown. I love that this movie costs, what did we say, like 300, 400 million dollars, one of those two, and they couldn't afford just like shoot a few little extra, you know, some have a second unit team go out there and get and get some footage for this. Well, OK, here's my theory on this, though. And this is uh, this is my theory on the why of it, because I would say arguably 35 uh, percent of act one of Fast X is recycled footage from Fast f Five, right? Mm -hmm. Fat, wait, Fast Five yes. is the Brazil one, yes, right? Yes. Right. Okay. Is just reused footage from Fast Five, specifically the bank vault heist. So, in my mind, I feel like the move they're trying to pull is there's they're they're using what is inarguably everybody's most favorite set piece, most favorite movie, most favorite Fast and Furious practical stunt. And they're basically putting it in act one to get us hyped and to be like, don't worry, this movie is directly related to your favorite fast movie. Mm. And they're there. It's like I feel like it's a trick to get us all excited because we love that heist. We love that chase. We love that that we love that thing. And so by showing it to us again, it's like I feel like it's a it's a trick to get us to to have um it's getting us on board for this movie before this movie's even started, really. Okay. Um, let's see. Tech Q04. <laughs> Brett from Los Angeles. Hey, Paul. Um, I have. Hold on. I'm going to stop you right there. First of all, Brett from Los Angeles, you fucking blew it. <laughs> you said, hey, Paul. All right. How. First of all, Brett. From my town, Los Angeles, how dare you? How dare you not anticipate 
that Paul would be unavailable for this recording and I would have to fill in last minute. How dare you, Brett? You are thin, thin ice, Brett, from Los Angeles. Thin ice. You okay, know what, Jason? I've already it. taken Go. care of him. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. <laughs> uh, all right, let's do it. This franchise is going to solve all the cliffhangers at the end of Fast X. And I think the secret is in Charlize Theron's character. Um, she shows up to Dom's house at the beginning of the movie in a DeLorean. And I think that is the movie, which is a universal project like Back to the Future was, is calling it shot. Um, the franchise has gone to space. So what else is there for them to do but break the space-time continuum by using um, fast cars to go back in time and save everyone's life? Um, possibly even going back to the Brazil set piece from five and stopping Momoa's dad from being killed. Um, I think that's how Charlize Theron's character, I think she already has that technology and that's how she brought back Gal Gadot. And, um, yeah, I hope you're having a good day. Bye. You know, here's the thing, Brett from Los Angeles. I wish, I want you to be right. I would love if these movies somehow like we are we are truly at the bleeding edge of what these what these movies can now do. We are they are so far past having now gone to space. Wait, wasn't the space car also a DeLorean? Or no? no. Was it something no, It was it like an old beat up car. Or oh, okay. Yeah. Um so so like they've been to space, Vin driving down the dam. Like we really are have completely gone past believable Physics, science, all of the stuff. They, they, we really are, these people can't be killed. They are essentially Avengers level superheroes. Now, this is a superhero team, and the, tr the tropes and the plotting and the characters and all of the stuff that they're using now, especially juxtaposed as we just recently did to the first movie, the tropes and everything they're using now are straight out of Marvel, DC playbook like really big giant huge life or death set pieces that defy all reason and and physical possibility so why not lean into that why not step directly over the line and say yeah great we're gonna do time travel um so i or didn't i read somewhere that somebody was trying to pose uh, somebody was trying to like get them to do a crossover fast and furious with the jurassic park franchises that those two things should meet up? I don't know that, but I hope so. I would, I hope I would that's love true. that. <laughs> I would love that. I think that would be great. I'm all for because to me, we are really pushing the limits here with where these characters and where this franchise can go. I, it either has to go back to basics and just be about cars and, and whatever again, or I think some wild choice like Brett from Los Angeles's time travel story. Um, I don't think the DeLorean is hinting at time travel. I do think it's a fun Easter egg, though, to be like, oh, here's a DeLorean. Here's a famous car, a nostalgic car from uh, our, our uh, pop culture past. You actually hit it on the money right there. A little added context I found. So in an interview with Collider, director Louis Leterrier said the idea of the DeLorean started as a joke. When fans began speculating about the possibility of time travel in the 10th Fast Saga film, uh, and they even theorized that Jacob Toretto's Canon car could, in fact, be a time machine, production got the idea to slip a DeLorean into the movie as a little nod to the fans' time travel speculation. Great. I love that. And that's, 
that's what I, that's fun. I like that. I like that these movies have fun doing stuff like that. Cause I do think there's an element to these movies, which is very fun too. As we've done for years now, speculate, uh, prognosticate, predict like the, with the idea that we years ago said they would go to space. We called it. Helen Marin was going to come in. We've, there's so many things that we have said we want, and then they've done them inexplicably. The only thing that we haven't, we've said repeatedly that they have not done is put us in these movies. So I will <laughs> once again say to everybody who's listening, you got to put us in these goddamn movies. What the fuck is going on at this point? It's frankly rude. Tech Q5, Josh from Ontario, Canada. What's up, Paul, Jason, June? This is Josh from Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. And I listened to your Fast X um, podcast. It was fantastic. Um, I just have a question. I'm surprised no one actually mentioned this. But, yo, the plot twist that Alan Richson, his character is now, you know, he's also a bad guy. That means we have two Aquaman. Because Alan Richson was Aquaman on Smallville, and he played him for quite a bit, uh, arguably longer than Jason Momoa. Huh. Anywho, and now he's like just as huge as Jason Momoa physically. So, a couple things. No one mentioned it. Is this a multiverse thing? Like, what if Fast and Furious ends up being the Flashpoint movie? We got Hobbs, Dom, and Ezra Miller. I don't know. Anyway, just want to know what you guys think. Thank you so much. You guys are amazing. I love your show and keep up the great work. Ah, Josh from Ontario. Thank you so much. Great question or great observation. I did not know that Reacher had played Aquaman. I did not. I didn't watch. Um, I'm assuming this is on the Flash TV show or one of the Smallville. one of the I think DC. He said Smallville. Oh, oh, he said Smallville. I missed that. Sorry. Uh, apologies. Um, oh, on Smallville. Oh, so even so quite a while ago. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I'm, you know, he'll always be Reacher to me, as Billy Joel once sang. Um, and, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, and I loved him in the movie. And I, I, I like that it's, it's two Aquaman together. And I think that's cool. Again, I love the idea that was brought up earlier. Uh, bring us, make them brothers. Why not? I think it I think it only strengthens the villain's story, um, a story which I'm already enjoying. I really loved if I wasn't clear about it. I loved the way they threaded Momoa into the larger Fast and Furious canon. I thought it was re I thought it was uh, like a smart move and uh, and I thought made it really interesting and gave him like a real uh, a, a viable motivation. Revenge. Great. I love it. Give me more revenge. I have a really good pitch and it's going to be really bad oh. now that I said it was good. But what if we brought in Vince from Entourage who plays Aquaman in Entourage? <laughs> Wait, Adrian Grenier? Yes. So then it's whoa. three Aquaman. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is huge. Yeah. This is some wild stuff right here. I love this idea. Thank you. I would love that. Um, I, I, And I'm all for, I will once again say I'm all for um, any collapsing of Fast and Furious into another franchise Flashpoint style. Mm -hmm. yes. um, I, you know, I don't think it has to be the DCEU or any of that stuff. I, like I said before, I love the idea of it being Jurassic Park. I love the idea. Why can't, I loved, I used to love the idea for a while there was a movie being written that was Men in Black plus 21 Jump Street, <laughs> um, which I think is hilarious. But like, why not have the Fast and Furious team become Men in Black? Why not have them start fighting aliens? Nice. Like, why not? 
Why it's not no take- more? It's no more ridiculous than what's already mm-hmm. happening. And in fact, would be a better setting for the kind of hijinks, the kind of high stakes hijinks that the Fast crew are now up to. You know, we can't do, I don't think, just races anymore, street races. And it's this. This isn't a street level franchise now. It spends so much time in outer space, in midair, in, in, on water, uh, on ice. Like, this is not street level anymore. So why not put them on another planet? <gasps> why not? Okay, Fast 10, or rather Fast 11, or 12, I guess now. Why not? Well, here it is. Ready? Mm-hmm. Portal. There's a portal. Mm-hmm. They have to drive through a portal. What's on the other side? Where does it put them? Boom. That's what I want to know. They all drive through the portal. How about I think that? it takes them to the moon and we have a moonfall crossover. Fuck, Whoa. dude. Or we go Dungeons and Dragons, Michelle Rodriguez, the portal that mm-hmm. has the Paul Shear portrait. Yep. Then that, I love that. that's how we pivot. And wow. I love that. And Letty plays both. Yes. Um, both characters meeting each other. I love this. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Anyway, I really like that. Great. Josh from Ontario. Uh, oh, no, rather. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, great question about Reacher and all the Aquaman stuff. Um, uh, uh, shout out to Canada. Uh, ooh, you know what? Here's my question for you in Canada. What role would you like Jared Kiso, Wayne from Letterkenny, to play in the Fast and Furious universe? Because that's who I want in these movies. I'm happy Reacher's here, but give me uh, give me Jared Kiso in Fast and Furious. Also, Give me Jared Kiso as Wolverine in the MCU, you idiots. He's Canadian, he's ripped, he's hilarious. Give me Jared Kiso as Wolverine. All right, coming up, I'm going to have more of your corrections, more of your omissions, more of your inexplicable theme songs. Uh, There's going to be a bunch of stuff, including, get ready for it in a little while, Paul and I's conversation with alone Frozen contestant, Wonia Tebow. We talk all about Alone with her. It is an incredible conversation. Stick around for that. Whether you're a fan of Alone or not, I think you'll really enjoy it. We're going to talk about what next movie, next week's movie is, rather. And at the very end of this episode, I'm going to share an exclusive deleted scene from our Fast X show. So, guess what? Stick around. The big game, big mods. First date or first big break kit. Binge that new show or binge install vids. When you're a real car lover, the choice is obvious. With over 122 million parts to fit your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, turbochargers, LED headlights, exhaust kits, bumpers, roof racks, and engines. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has all the parts you need for the ride you love. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Texas Pete! Oh my gosh, I love Texas Pete. It is the hot sauce that allows you to sauce like you mean it. All right, Texas Pete sauce is packed with bold and balanced flavor. I've loved Texas Pete for years. When I got a box of their stuff at my house, I was so psyched because what I love about their hot sauce is their tanginess, okay? You can use it on anything, and you're going to try every flavor. I mean, you got the original, which is great. 
That's fermented peppers. It's a special blend. Then you got the hotter hot sauce, which is three times hotter than the original. And believe me, it is not for the faint of heart. Then you got Sabor by Texas Pete, which adds an authentic Mexican flavor. And I got to tell you, that might be my favorite next to their dust dry seasoning, which matches the flavor of the original hot sauce in a flavorful dry rub. It is so, so great. Texas Pete, sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration and use the promo code podcast24 for 20% off at TexasPete.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Philo. I love Philo because Philo remembers when cable TV was affordable. Yes, Philo is the perfect thing for people who love TV and love saving money, which is me, which is you, which is everyone. Philo wants to be your TV solution. They have shows, movies, live TV, all of that for just 25 bucks a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassle, just a better way to watch TV. They have an unlimited DVR for one year. Plus, you can have multiple profiles and multiple streams. They've got movies on there like Kill Bill, Love Actually, Twilight, and you're never going to miss a minute of your favorite shows like Love and Hip Hop Atlanta, Friends, Golden Girls, SpongeBob, whatever you want. There's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. Try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash bonkers. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash bonkers to get 50% off your first month. We're back, baby. We're back. Uh, I hope you just fast forwarded through some commercials. Probably shouldn't <laughs> say that. Um, Tech Q6, Adam from upstate New York. Hey, Paul and Jason. This is Adam calling from upstate New York for the uh, Fast X Last Looks episode. Um, so before Last Looks came out, I knew I needed to rewatch all the movies again, but that would take a very long time. So I threw a party where I got together some friends, many of whom had never seen any movies before. And we watched all nine movies simultaneously on one screen with all of them playing their sound at the same time. It was absolutely <laughs> fucking incredible. Even the people who hadn't seen one before loved it. They were blown away. Mm-hmm. We even had a bingo game with questions like Vin on three screens, no engine sounds, and Dom and Letty making out. That one was a little bit hard to get because they don't actually make out that much in the movies. Uh, so I have two questions for you guys. Number one, with Fast X out of the mix, What's a great bingo question for the next Simul Watch before Fast 11? And number two, what other franchise could possibly work as well to watch all the movies at the same time? Thanks. Love the show. Bye. Huh. Okay. Well, this seems like Adam from upstate New York. Thank you for your question. That sounds like a great party. But now you've given me homework. I got to come up with your (laughs) bingo questions. I've got to. It seems like you're giving me a problem here. Uh, I'm asking for solutions, guys. Um... You know, what's a big, what's a great bingo question? I don't know. I mean, I think, what's a, it's bingo. Uh, not, it's not a drinking game. So it's just something that has to happen once. Because I was going to yeah. say a good, a good bingo, a, a good drinking game question would be anytime there's a flashback drink. Mm-hmm. Just because, you know, you'd be wasted in the first five minutes. Walkie talkies. Oh, yeah. You know what we didn't talk about in the episode that I would like to speak to briefly for a moment now? because I forgot and I'd written it down in my notes and I was frustrated afterwards, was so often in the movie, Jason Momoa, and it's primarily Jason Momoa and Vin Diesel's characters are 
separated by, I mean, they're each in different cars, on different roads. They are completely separate from each other, but they are having an active conversation. They are not on comms together. They are not connected to each other, but they are just speaking out loud in their individual cars as if they've just heard what the other has said in their car. And it's so it's <laughs> it's fucking nuts. It's absolutely nuts. There were so many moments that I was like, are they on are they linked? Are they on comms together and they're not. They're not at all. So if you watch the movie, just watch how often people are talking out loud in their cars at a conversational level as if someone on a cliff above them can hear them. It's like when when Momoa is going to send Dom down the dam, you know, Momoa's like out of his car, he's got a computer set up, he's on a cliff top. And 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 Dom and little B are in the car on the edge of the dam with two semi trucks next to them going and and Momoa and Vin are having a conversation that is like, well, well, we find ourselves here again. Can't believe, Dom, that you thought you'd get away. And Dom's like, this is your last chance. Let me go, family. And it's like, wait a minute. What? Can they hear each other? And the reality is they cannot. So what the fuck? What a, what a magic trick that this movie pulls off by forcing conversations that are completely not happening. Anyway, Tech Q 07, Jay from Austin, Texas. Hey guys, this is Jay from Austin, and I just wanted to share with you the story about how you guys inadvertently got me a raise. So the story behind this is that I work at a dog groomer's as a bather, and I'm normally in the back bathing dogs, having headphones in, I'm listening to how this get made all day, and my coworkers have uh, become used to hearing me just laughing all day um, while I'm listening to the episodes. But recently I ran out of How Did This Get Made episode, so I was listening to audiobooks and stuff. And uh, this prompted my employer to pull me aside one day and just be like, hey, man, um, just want to make sure you're still happy here and uh, that you're doing okay and that's something that you need and we're going to go ahead and bump your pay. And I really believe that this is because they couldn't hear me laughing at How Did This Get Made episodes. And in all honesty, not listening to episodes probably did affect my general demeanor. So uh, you guys are good for my mental health. You guys are good for me financially. And you just in general rock. So keep it up. And a real quick uh, omission for the Fast X episode, uh, along with uh, Jason's theory that Dom is on a Christ-like journey, there is actually a song in the official soundtrack in which one of the lyrics are, like Jesus, I'm walking on water. <laughs> yeah, so, see? Uh, maybe not that far off. I think they actually are trying to make that comparison. Uh, keep up the good work. Love everything you do. Thanks, y'all. Wow. Jay from Austin, that's a great, uh, great uh, bit of tidbit of information. Uh, I absolutely think this movie, I, I, think, <laughs> I think Vin Diesel, uh, inside of his control of these movies, is only more and more framing Dom as a a Christ-like figure. And so much so, make no mistake, the central um, act two, beginning of act two set piece is Dom saves the Vatican. He saves the Pope's life. 
He, he saves the Vatican. This is a religious movie. Uh, um, this is a religious movie, uh, except the religion is Fast and Furious. Um, it is, it, it, I feel like there is, there is a degree of heresy in suggesting that Dom is so holy. I mean, even Christ was able to be killed. Dom survives everything. <laughs> uh, let's be real. Dom I would doesn't love it. need to be resurrected. He's never there, going to die. <laughs> it's so true. He is invincible in a way that is Dom God? Wow. Mm. No, that's, Dom that's a, is better than God, I think is what whoa. you're saying. I may, it may be. I, I'd be interested. It, you know, they've had so much, you know, uh, so many religious stories have resurrection as the story. There is a way in which Dom, Christ-like, is able to raise the dead, Lazarus style, um, as numerous of uh, the people in these movies. That will be if he can, if they can raise um, uh, Elena from uh, the dead. That will be incredible because that really that's a feat. She was point blank assassinated. So well, that would that's the real triumph if they can do it. Go ahead. I was saying you were talking earlier about like what other genres of movies could the Fast and Furious merge with. And we were talking about bringing Elena back from the dead. Like, what if we had a zombie horror movie? Great. Love it. That's a great, like, what if Fast and Furious, but the threat isn't um, a revenge seeking Jason Momoa or a cyber terrorist attack from Charlize? It is The Walking Dead. It is like a. It is like a it's a fast zombies and maybe the zombies can drive. Well, they can definitely drive. Yeah. And I think yeah. it has to be it has to be the hundreds of thousands of innocent civilians they've <laughs> killed over the course of these movies coming wow. back to get their revenge. Well, the first one's got to be Momoa's henchman, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, I see what you're saying. The, the face tape guys. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That would see that would be interesting to me. I would love that. I would love I really did like the idea that Momoa's revenge was predicated on something a death that our team didn't even think about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just the casual murder of uh, of Momoa's dad uh, again by by Hobbs. Like mm -hmm. it was Vin didn't even <laughs> If Momoa's target is like the person who killed my dad, well, why don't you first go after the person who literally killed your dad, Hobbs? I, it makes no sense that he targets Vin first. But Vin is, you know, the most, I think, powerful person on Earth mm -hmm. and lives in a small house in Echo Park. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Tech Q8, Alicia. See, isn't this much? You know what I'm not saying? Here's a call from Dr. Guts 1003. <laughs> the people on the phone know, you know what? I'm calling in. It's me, Alicia. Or, hey, it's me, Jay. Hey, it's good to talk to you. It's Adam from upstate New York. Hey, I'm happy to be talking to you guys. But if you're writing in on the whatever, you're like, hey, it's me. You know, uh, whatever. Uh, Captain Jizz 76. Like, I don't know what this is. Like, okay, <laughs> He gets a go. lot of calls from Captain Jizz 76, okay? Uh, I don't doubt it. Okay, <laughs> Alicia, go. Hi, Paul. My name is Alicia. I have seen all How the movies. I watched all the fast episodes of How Did This Get Made? And I just wanted to talk about something about the franchise as a whole. I know something you guys go back to a lot is that there is no sexuality <laughs> between Ben and Letty. It's very dry, uh, especially starting from the middle and then going back to one and seeing that 
iconic motorboating scene is very <laughs> charming to say the least. Uh, so I just wanted to let you know, I don't know if it's been brought up before, but Michelle and Vin were in a budding relationship in the filming of Fast One. It must have been like playing Peter and MJ. So that motorboating was probably a very natural improv from Vin at that time. And then I imagine you break up, and now we just have him talking to her room, just hopeful. Uh, something I thought was fun was that Michelle said something to Sun Magazine at the time, saying what she loved about Vin, what really reeled her in, was that deep, gravelly voice. Mm. So that's all. Thank you. All right. That's interesting. I, You know, I, I think these movies have no have no real, um, you know, there's no real sexuality or chemistry inside of them. I don't know that they, I don't know that they're interested in interrogating that part of life. They seem to be much more focused on family as it, as it mean, as, as if to mean family friendly, you know, like I think that the, the, this isn't, these aren't stories about people who have a lot of sex. These are about people who kill a lot of people. <laughs> Which is family friendly. <laughs> which is family friendly <laughs> here in America. Uh, yeah. We love we love our heroes to not really fuck, but definitely murder. <laughs> um, as, as long as it's the bad guys. As long as it's the bad guys. Um, yeah, oh, that's interesting. I did not know that. That's interesting. Um, I love the detail she gave that Michelle Rodriguez said. It's that raspy voice that gets you. Like, just imagining Vin being like, you had me at hello. <laughs> I love I would love it I would love it if Vin's move was to quote Jerry Maguire <laughs> um, yeah. I, listen I'm, I, I hope that I hope that there's people out there who like a raspy voice that's great that's good news for me <sighs> I also I, I found a, a quote where Vin told Entertainment Weekly, one of the biggest blessings of the franchise is my relationship with Michelle. And then referencing their characters from the film, Vin explained, I've been told that the Dom Letty love story is potentially the biggest love story that we've seen in cinema. Mm. What? By, t- by who? By the, by the same people that come up to Trump with tears in their eyes? <laughs> <laughs> to tell them what a what a hero he is that's like that's positively trumpian <laughs> yeah, they're coming to me they're saying uh, they've got tears in their eyes they can't believe it they said it's the greatest love story now i'm just wait i do a trump Who, what is this i don't i don't do a trump that was terrible anyway uh cut that just kidding <laughs> keep it in um um but that's uh, that's preposterous the idea that the dom letty love story is potentially the biggest love story we've ever seen in cinema is absolute insanity and i love that vin believes it i love it incredible stuff that's that's a great quote great find all right back to the discord elaine smithy writes looking at the scene in rio where dom and dante's gangs face off with each other is rio so laid back that walls of people pointing guns at each other nonplussed the party goers around them the drone shot shows both gangs surrounded by crowds dancing all around them instead of you know fleeing yeah, I agree. This is something that's now come up quite a bit in movies is, you know, um, huge action movie set piece driving gunplay craziness un- unfolds in large group activity, nightclub, 
street race, city streets, whatever. And everybody seems like, oh, come on. I'm just trying to get to work. <laughs> they seem like unimpressed or unflustered by like nuts level stuff happening around them. Um, so I agree. That was pretty crazy. Elaine, at the end of her uh, thing that I didn't read, says, Zooks, that's me, the new Beach Fossils album, Bunny, is out now, and it's phenomenal. And Elaine, I agree. The new Beach Fossils record, one of my favorite bands, uh, has a new record. It's called Bunny, and it's great. And it's abs- there are two songs in that uh, on that album that are on my spring playlist. So eat shit. <laughs> so uh, that's it for Corrections and Omissions this week. Uh, there can only be one that is the best, and this week's best. Oh, I have to pick a winner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jesus it's in your Christ. hands. You know what? I'm gonna pick. Uh, I'm gonna pick. Um, oh, I'm gonna shout out Adam from Upstate New York simply because I loved this. I want other people to replicate the concurrent, simultaneous, all now ten movie rewatch. So next time we do this, I would love, Adam, please write in to remind us of your methodology, which is to show all nine movies on nine different screens concurrently with people there to watch and lose their minds. Because to me, that sounds like how they drive. uh, That sounds like a clockwork orange. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So Adam from upstate New York, you're the winner. I don't know what you win. I hope it's nothing because this is not really winning. They win an amazing song. They win an amazing song. Oh, winner's theme, Tech Tech Q12. Okay, and it's once again courtesy of Rob from Long Island, who I previously said sounded like a, a magnetic field song. Huge compliment, by the way. One of my all-time five favorite records of all time, uh, 101 Love Songs. Or rather, no, take that out. Actually, edit that. 69 Love Songs. Um, that is the right one. It's 101. The other one is... Uh, what's the, what's the, the other one? 101 Dalmatians. No, the one, the other Stephen Merritt record that's, um, uh, keep this, all of this in, keep all of, keep my, <laughs> keep this meltdown in. Um, here we go. I'm going to look it up while uh, this song plays from Rob from Long Island in order to celebrate, um, the other guy from upstate New York, Adam, I think from upstate New York and a little shout out to Elaine Smithy who herself shouted out Beach Fossils, uh, a terrific, uh, jangly, uh, rock band. Here we go. Fifty song memoir. That's the one I'm remembering. Sorry. Uh, I was on the tip of my tongue. I almost had it. Fifty song memoir. Uh, also great, wonderful. But sixty nine love songs. Wow. Like like truly incredible record. Devastating songs. Uh, come back from San Francisco. Makes me cry every time. Um, really great stuff. Anyway, here we go. Uh, that was the winner's theme. If you want to chime in with your own thoughts, um, about this latest episode or about other stuff in general, about this episode that I've done or the Fast X or anything, really, go to the Discord. Once again, that is discord.gg slash hdtgm or call us right here at 619-PAULASK. That's 619-PAULASK. Okay, so you've likely noticed here on How Did This Get Made that uh, your feed is picking up on Mondays uh, old episodes of the show that we're pulling out of the vault and we're putting them back into rotation. So many of your favorite episodes that perhaps were behind the paywall are now out 
and going wild. This week's Matinee Monday was Action Jackson with Seth Rogen. Great episode. Very fun. I remember it fondly. Next week's Matinee Monday, though, is holy shit, guys. This is real. So get fucking ready. Next week's episode, we are re-releasing Into the Wild, Drop Dead Fred. Now, this is some next-level nonsense. This episode is, for me, I mean, top three episodes of the podcast as a performer, as to a top three episodes, maybe top one episode for like my favorite episode to have done, uh, to have been on stage at the Wilshire Ebell backstage first, hanging out with my friends, having a great time. We walked on stage and proceeded to scream at the top of our lungs at each other for two hours straight standing. We barely sat. It was I mean, one of the most insane experiences in the podcast's history. And we've been doing this podcast now for 22 years. This is crazy. So that episode is coming out. Uh, and not for nothing, uh, it's it's in, it's in a, it's a bit of a preview for our Drop Dead Fred vinyl, which is dot, 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 on its way. Can I say that? Yeah, it's on its yeah. way. Yeah. It's coming to you. It's on its way. Some of you might have your grubby little paws on it right now. As we speak, I don't know. You might be, but guys, put it in a, put it in a case, like put it in, you know, put it, keep it well, put it in a slip case, be, be good to it, you know? Um, so here we are. We're going to be putting out Drop Dead Fred. So check it out. It's a great episode. You, you can, you can hear the moment where Casey Wilson's vocal cord bursts. Um, <laughs> she had to go on vocal rest after this episode because it was just too much, too much. Team Sanity, weak vocal cords. <laughs> okay, on today's Just Chat, we're doing something a little different. Occasionally, Paul and I interview guests, usually a friend who's appeared on How Did This Get Made before, usually to talk about something they're excited about or something they uh, have been working on, uh, but not today. Uh, Paul, June, and myself are all super fans of today's guest and the show that she has m appeared on multiple seasons of. You've probably heard me talk about Alone for years, Paul and June as well. I mean, truly one of my favorite shows. The show is, if, if you haven't heard of it or you don't know it or haven't heard me talk about it, 10 people are placed alone in incredibly difficult wilderness living circumstances, um, Antarctica, uh, uh, or rather, not not Antarctica, the Arctic, um, northern Canada, Vancouver Island, uh, Argentina, all of these places where they are put in very difficult conditions, and it is a survival game. Who can last the longest wins. Sometimes it's a half a million dollars. Sometimes it's a million dollars. It's incredible. They are you, they are their own camera crews. They are not they are not being watched. They are alone. It is a psychological game where people lose their entire minds, and that's compelling television. So uh, I was very excited uh, to talk to Wonia. Uh, I'll you know I don't want to give it away, but we do talk about it on the episode. Um, if you don't want to know. Well, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to say it. She won Alone Frozen, and we do talk about it in the episode. So spoilers for the end of Alone Frozen. I just spoiled it for you. But guess what? You should have watched it already. <laughs> I don't care about spoiling it for you. Because here's the beauty of it. The show works even if you know who's won. Because, guys, the journey is the destination. Mm. Kaboom. Nailed it. The Journals of Dan Eldon. Um, it's a book. It's great. That's the title of it. <laughs> 
I'm really now two hours into this, and I am I have lost my. I don't know how long this episode is, but I've been talking for two hours. I think this is so the I, first seven-year yeah. episode. This is going to be the first last looks longer than the actual movie episode. Great, great. So we have a Just Chat theme song from Anton Wellen, uh, and here it is coming at you. Paul and Jason have things to say, and it's a fact that we can all call in. Just watching their movies, they're watching They're going to tell me, and we can all call it just So this is a little different than what we normally do on the show, but I really wanted to have you on because not only am I a fan of Alone, but Jason is a giant fan of Alone. And he <laughs> got me fan. into it. Huge fan. Like, so excited. Nice. Could not be more excited that you're here, frankly. And, Hooray. you know, for me, I feel like I watch that show and I never get any closure. I don't know what happened. Like, I don't know what happens <laughs> beyond. So I happen to be on vacation with my family and... Just by happenstance, you were at the same place doing uh, a lecture about your experiences and promoting your amazing new book, which is coming out, uh, Never Alone. And I loved hearing your story. And I was kind of just blown away by everything that we don't see and your entire experience about being there. I, I just found it to be utterly fascinating and so uh you know i reached out to you to say can you come on this show where we talk about bad movies but we're not gonna talk about bad movies with you we're gonna talk about <laughs> we're gonna talk about your survival journey because you literally you are the first female winner of uh an alone solitary survival challenge right you have you have that you came in second place on the show as well like you have you have been out there you have you have really gone through it and I just found your story absolutely fascinating. Um, so welcome. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you. I'm really happy to be here. I'm glad to follow up on our brief meeting back in Montana. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. I, this is, as somebody who's been watching alone since the beginning, this is incredibly exciting for me, both because I watched you like just crush season six and then Really, I found like Alone Frozen has been one of my favorite seasons of Alone simply because it allowed for me to watch you especially, but all the contestants change strategies and change tactics and exist in the, in similar situations, but change how you approached it. And that I thought was really fascinating and really interesting, both on a practical level and I would love to talk about on a psychological level. You know, because that to me is the game. Exactly. Yeah. And I 100 percent agree with you, Jason. I think that alone is so much more about the psychological journey than it is about the survival adventure. Not that it isn't absolutely intense physically, really grueling, particularly the frozen season was far more challenging than I was prepared for. But I absolutely think that the mental game is what takes the majority of the people out, whether it be their choice not to stay or whether it be them getting freaked out to the point where they're not firing on all cylinders and they're making bad decisions that lead to accidents that take them out or they don't want to be there and somehow that leads to them doing something that accidentally takes them out, right? So your degree 
of being able to control your your mental and your attitude is absolutely huge. And I think that really came through on season six, where I was straight up starving, really starving the whole time. You've lost one third of your body weight in that time alone. One third. That is... And I'm only 5'4", so I lost 50 pounds. And I mean, it was really scary looking at myself in the mirror afterwards. Yeah, that is like one of the one of the hardest things to watch people because you're you're we're talking about a show in which people are, you know, I've talked about it on this show quite a bit. But, you know, you are out there alone for months at a time. And I would say like the central struggle is seems to be from a viewer's point of view is getting enough food, specifically getting enough food to sustain yourself doing the amount of work physically that is necessary to keep yourself afloat. But I mean, doesn't your hunger affect your mental capabilities too? Like even the most solid mental foundation you have, you were there for 10 weeks with only handfuls of cranberries. You had 10 rabbits and 10 squirrels over 10 weeks. Like... Yeah. I would imagine that that is just, I mean, the the hunger or just even the lack of food is playing with your mind, too, just in, 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 by nature. Yeah, it, it completely takes over your brain in ways that you had no idea how to anticipate ahead of time. And I talk about this in my book, The Different Hungers, and there's the deep visceral hunger, but then the psychological su- hunger, the one that runs your thoughts where you cannot stop thinking about creme brulee or fondue or whatever it happens to be, that is much more frustrating. For me, that was much harder than the physical hunger because I felt strong. I actually felt great right up until the very end where I really started to be aware that my body was tanking. I I felt better than I have for most of my life. And that's a thing that people do fasting for healing or ketogenic diets for healing. So it's so much more about the mental. And I found something happened that was really interesting and illustrative of this in about the five week mark, I got given a weight warning. I was told that I was losing too much weight. And while I wasn't at the danger point yet, I was getting close. And that really messed with me mentally. And I was just going about my day thinking, I'm starving, I'm starving, I'm failing, I'm failing out here. And I felt weak and I was really struggling. And then I just had this epiphany where it was like, hey, you know what? It's up to me how I consider this. They told me I'm at the danger line, but I feel great. So I'm gonna trust people who are looking at statistics or am I gonna trust myself and my own body? And hey, don't people fast for health reasons? Oh, I'm not starving. I'm doing a cleanse, a really deep (laughs) cleanse, but I'm doing a cranberry cleanse. There you go. And from that moment, when I brought myself around mentally, I brought myself around physically. I felt stronger. My knees were no longer wobbling. I was I was good again. And it was just the mental switch. Yeah. And that is like watching the show. You really are. And, you know, I'm certain a part of this is editing for the sake of stories and all that and a compelling narrative for everybody. But you really are. I mean, they're using only the tape that that you all are just so people know in case people don't watch the show. Alone is a show wherein you guys are out there surviving uh, truly alone. There isn't a camera crew with you. You are your own camera crew. You are providing the 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 all the material, all the footage. You're providing it yourself. You're having to shoot it all, frame it all, do all the camera work. And on top of that, it is is it a weekly health check in? 
So it is only it once a week or so? Is No, it... it's not. They don't do them at all at first. They don't start doing the oh, first okay. medical checks until you've been out there where the starvation actually could be getting yeah. to be physically dangerous. And that's usually around the three-week mark. And I then see. they determine how often they check in on you based on how you're doing when they see you. So on season six, for example... I got my first weight warning on day 40, so just over half of my time out there. And from that point, they considered that I was, you know, I was doing a little bit dicey. And so they did medical checks more often. And then towards the end, when they were frankly really quite concerned about me, they increased the frequency. On the frozen season, I was doing great from the beginning. Yeah. I didn't ever get a weight warning. And I only had two medical checks in the entire course of those 50 days because they knew I wasn't in danger. But what was interesting is watching you on Frozen, like it, you were, you were in, si in six, you were so strong coming in so strong. Frozen seemed to rock everybody straight out of the oh gate. Oh my gosh. You know, like that <laughs> was so hard. And that, I think all of us went yeah. in feeling really confident because most of the folks there had been out almost 50 days, if not 50 days. And Callie and I had been out way longer than 50 days. Yes. So we were like, really? Further south than we were in the Arctic and a shorter time limit? We got this. And everyone just got their butts kicked. And I think it was really shocking for them. And frankly, really shocking for the producers. <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet because, you know, that season is it's it's, you know, it's kind of like an all star season or or, or something like exactly. that. Everybody in the season of Frozen has been in one of the previous alone seasons and has been almost all, almost everybody did incredibly well in the in the in their pre previous seasons. And so to yeah. watch everybody who you've seen just excel just be so foundationally challenged was yeah. absolutely incredible. Uh, and I love... And as you say, it really revealed the mental game a lot yes. more because people were dropping like flies in the first week and no one starves to death within a week, you know? No, <laughs> it, it really is just... It, you want, And it's so interesting. You watch people start to build a narrative for themselves that allows yes. them eventually to tap out. It, they start to talk or they start to think a way that starts to feel like they are they are coming up with a final argument for themselves to give themselves, frankly, permission to leave. And it's exactly. so interesting when you then watch someone ha start that dialogue with themselves and then interrupt it. You have it at one point in Frozen where your <laughs> shelter is leaking. Your you yeah. did, what are you? Didn't you you bear you pepper sprayed your own sleeping <laughs> bag? Was that right? I like, did, yeah. The the head <laughs> of my sleeping, like the inside, the hood of my sleeping bag, which was nestled inside the hood of my parka, which was nestled inside the hood of my rain jacket. So basically everything that I needed most to keep myself warm, saturated with pepper spray the evening of day six. And the afternoon, the dusk of day six was my lowest point. And I was really struggling. And what you don't see on the show is the fact that at that point I'd been hypothermic for about three days straight because my rain gear was not tough enough to stand up to 
crawling through thick, scratchy brush. So I made a choice that, hey, it's not as cold now as it's going to be later. And I'm going to need this rain gear more later than I do now. So I let myself get soaking wet while I was building my shelter. Huh. I think it was a good choice, but it was a choice that made that first week really hard. So I'd been hypothermic for three days. And then the only thing I could eat was mussels, which I was having to pry off of the rocks. And then I had very few trees in my area. So a lot of what I was building with was rock. So I was hauling these huge, heavy rocks up and down cliffs. And at the end of day four or so, I was having such intense tendonitis that I could barely use my hands. So hypothermic, unable to use my hands. And then I also had this crazy wound happen on my toe, which I learned what it actually was later. It was basically like a cold sore on the nail bed of my toe. So it was shooting nerve pain. So I was limping. I didn't have full use of my hands and I'd been hypothermic for three days solid. And that's the only time on The Alone Show that you ever see me talking about how hard it is and crying about it. And that night is when I sprayed all of my most important gear with pepper spray. And then I woke up the next morning and I said, you know what? That didn't take me out. So I have freaking got this. Like that, it's hard to imagine having been worse than that. It's incredible. I'm golden. It's incredible (laughs) because any any single one of those things The equivalent has happened multiple times to other contestants and they have been knocked out completely for you to have all of those things happen concurrently is and and not only not only persist, but come back and win is incredible. You know, this is what I want to talk about, too. And you mentioned this when I watched you do your your lecture. You know, we are getting a very small sampling of what you did and what and what you do out there it's through somebody else's eyes you you tape it but they edit it and you don't know what they're going to edit and you've shot so much and you're out there for you know uh, especially in the in season 6 like 73 days you know and when do you start to see what your narrative is according to alone versus yeah. what your narrative is and what was different about it. Cause I know you talk about this in the book, like what you did that they didn't show and, and, and vice versa. Yeah. You know, it's interesting cause my experiences were so different the first time versus the second time. And a lot of it was based around that because the first time I just poured my heart into filming everything as exquisitely as I could. I shifted my routines in ones that weren't as good for survival so that I could get better footage, like always butchering my animals during the day instead of at night by my fire, which was harder on me because it meant wasting daylight hours to do something I didn't need daylight hours for. Also, I could get really good footage. And then when I watched the season I was so upset because none of the things that I cared about, none of the story that I carefully crafted because I wanted to show the depth of it and show who I was came across on television. So I went into the second time really jaded thinking, why bother? Because they're not going to tell the story that's most important to me. And then they totally did. And they didn't (laughs) have as much footage to do it with because I was less motivated the second time. I still did my damnedest to give them all the footage, but the weather was so harsh in Labrador that I could barely set up the big camera because the wind knocked the tripod over right away. My cameras were constantly breaking. Even the ones that didn't break were fogging up so I could barely get footage. So I felt they did way, way better by me the second time, Hmm. and they had to work hard to do it because they were working with a lot less. Out of curiosity, that like that's a little bit of a shift for you in in how you approach the 
the, the filming, uh, your own filming of it. But I'm curious also, how did you change your approach to the game itself? You know, Frozen is different than a normal season of Alone in that Alone uh, uh, in a normal season is an uh, open-ended. We, it's, it right. is a last person remaining wins the season. Frozen was 50 days in incredibly difficult situation, right? So it is a yeah. finite, you know you have an end day. Did that really, and I know, sorry, we're asking a lot of very specific <laughs> alone questions. No, it's but great. Like, I love I that you not... really, really understood the challenge and you get to ask really good questions. You're asking much better questions than the average interviewer. I'm loving it. <laughs> That's right. Eat shit, average interviewer. Um, I, like, I am curious, what purposefully did you change about how you did this? Yeah, the second time was hugely different. It was very much informed by what worked and what didn't work my first season. One of the biggest things right off the top was I did shift my gear items specifically to bring two items that not having were incredible handicaps the first time around. One was snare wire. So they don't tell you on season six that I was doing all of that trapping without snare wire. Everybody oh, wow. else who snares on a loan, they have wire that is self-supporting and makes it all possible. I had fishing line and my own hair. So I had to devise a way to trap using really limited and totally inefficient resources. And that meant that I had to have a power mechanism to bring the rabbits up and off their feet every snare I set. So every snare that I set on season took, took me an hour and the average snare takes three minutes. So it was a huge handicap. So what I did for the second season was relied on knitting an enormous sweater and pulling it apart so I had cordage from the yarn that the sweater is made out of, which meant I didn't have to take parachute cord, which meant I could take snare wire. So huge just advantage. for people, yeah, for people listening, you are, you are, everybody, every contestant is given a matching set of items and then you get to choose 10 items of your own that you would like to bring. And so in those 10, I, am I, is that correct? Like, so uh, it's, we are given a list and okay. we're choosing our own items that fit the qualifications of that list. So everybody had slightly different snare wire, but it all had to be 20 gauge snare wire. Yeah. For example. Right. So, but, yeah. but so you watch people, one of the ways that people strategize is, you know, sometimes somebody's like, I'm not going to bring a fire starter because I'm confident in my ability to start a fire using just materials I find there. So that frees up a slot that I can bring something else. And then you watch that person right. really struggle with starting a fire <laughs> and maintaining a fire. And so there yeah. are you everybody's choice of gear kind of informs the strategy of play. So Hugely. having yes. having snare wire is huge, you know? It's huge. I could have stayed out, I think, easily another month on season six had I had snare wire. It made a tremendous difference. That said, I was in a fairly barren location, so I would have decimated the rabbit population because I was on a little peninsula, not on the mainland where there's, you know, the whole yeah. world is constantly supplying you with more game. I only had the game that was on this little peninsula. That said having to do it all by hand was a huge, huge handicap um, without sufficient materials. I do want to talk about just the way that you approach the game in addition to respecting the land as well, because you said you didn't want to decimate the rabbit population. This is something that you were concerned about. Like you weren't here just to win. You were also wanted to be respectful of this 
this area that you are in, you know, and even even with your book, you are donating a portion of the sales to the native people whose homeland you, you this you know this whole thing took place. And so I, I feel like that is something that at least seems to me a little bit different than the way maybe other people approach it. And, and also some of the things that you wanted to get on camera that didn't often get on camera. Exactly true. Yeah. And so we, you asked earlier how the narrative was different on Alone season six versus Frozen. And part of it was it didn't show my philosophy and my approach nearly as much on season six. And the second time it really did. And that is a huge part of me and part of what sets me apart from a lot of other people in the field of survival. And ironically, I have never referred to myself as a survivalist. That's a term that I that I take issue with, frankly. I feel like it's a very fear-based approach. And I've never been into this stuff for survival. I've been into it because I feel like it's a beautiful, more connected, more natural way for a human to live. And feeling like you have to wrestle the wilderness into submission is a very Western and masculine approach. And it's the polar opposite of what I believe and what I want to represent. So to my mind, going into a wild place from a place of respect and curiosity and asking and appreciating and just giving back in whatever ways I can was really important to me. And I want to talk to you about this because this blew me away and you talk about it in your book but the recovery process because oh, yeah. you yeah. are out there and and it took you <laughs> your first season it took you 2 years to get back to normal and 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 there's a yeah. great uh section of the book about when you first kind of get home uh you know going into a pharmacy and kind of being over it almost felt like i was reading a section about like PTSD like you you the colors and the sounds and the lights and it's like you you're being pulled from one extreme to the next of the world that we all live in. And then also on top of all this, I imagine you have all this opportunity to eat, but you can't even really eat either. <laughs> right. You go from not having enough food and thinking about nothing but food to being surrounded by opulence and people who are eating full meals, you know, three plus times a day and you can't have any of it. <laughs> oh, that... And that was so much harder than starving in the wilderness. So much harder. But um, yeah, it was so fascinating. All of the, the physiology of going from pure starvation. And on Frozen, I was eating really well. So honestly, when I entered the refeeding program, my portions were cut back from what I'd been eating on my oh, own in the wow. wild. They were oh, different. I wasn't getting enough calories. I wasn't getting enough fat and I was getting zero carbohydrates. But in terms of volume, I was eating more out there. Granted, hmm. I'm pretty sure I wasn't digesting the seaweed. It came out looking just like it went in, but <laughs> it was it was filling out my system, right? My digestion was constantly moving on me. So it was very different recovering from Frozen than it had been on season six, where I was really straight up starving most of the time on season six. And my whole digestive system was shut down and shrunken and really took a while to come back online. There has been some seasons where starvation is the main uh, antagonist, if you will. You know, like well, the. Up until season six, every single season was won by the person who is carrying the most weight on their way in. Up in. Yeah. So seasons one through five were straight up starvation contests. Season six is the first time anyone got big game. And then seasons six, seven, and eight, the winners were all the person who got big game. But honestly, they were all starving too. Particularly yeah. Clay, who got Clay on season eight, he got a deer, but one lean deer 
is not enough food for a man his yeah. size and weight in those circumstances. And even a moose and a muskox, I mean, those guys came out a lot skinnier than they went in as well. So I think it's actually interesting because I offer consulting services for authors and up. TV shows and movies because any book you ever read that has people in the wild starving, I look at it and I think, oh my God, <laughs> so well, inaccurate, right? Yeah. It's so much harder to make your way in the world and provide all of your own calories than the average person can wrap their brain around. And alone is an extreme example because a lot of people have, you know, more survival items. They have a warm shelter or they have bedding or they have more adequate gear in other ways. So the, the food is the only issue, but on alone, it's all of it. I will say too that if you want to, the general you, not just you, Jason, but if you want to learn some of these skills, uh, buckskinrevolution.com, that's your website. You have, you, you teach classes, you go out into the wild, you do a different, uh, different series, you know, whether it's like an earth skills weekend or a survival intensive, uh, you know, plants intensive, buckeye gathering, like there's a lot of different stuff there too. So you can, and I know that you talked about like, you will also work with people who are going to be on the show uh, on alone, right? Like, or like to get them prepared and, and teach them. Um, but like that to me, like you really, this is a part of your lifestyle. This is not, you know, you weren't in this to become a television star or, 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 or a winner. They, <laughs> I was they, so shocked they... <laughs> to end up being a television star. You have no idea. <laughs> You're going to be on a CBS sitcom this year, right? Uh... <laughs> it's uh... funny. I did actually just do a promo shoot for Leatherman where there was uh, like a hair and makeup person. I'm like, <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, I've been on TV, but I've never done anything like this, like having my hair touched up in the powder so I wouldn't shine oh, yeah. and all these. It was it was quite a trip. So I was like, okay, this is a good, like dipping my toe in it for when I do some, some morning shows as part of the book promo. <laughs> but <laughs> well, yeah, so part of my idea, like part of what drives me isn't showing the world what I can do. It's letting people see themselves through me and recognize that we all have the capacity to do the kinds of things we did that I did on alone. It's just most people don't practice that. And so what I want to do with my work is make everybody feel super capable, inspire people, but then give them a place to go with that inspiration so that they learn the basic skills and ways to adjust their attitudes. Frankly, a lot of it, as we've said, is the mental game. And so I offer, how do you how do you work on your mental game? How do you feel more connected to the world around you so you feel more whole and capable every day of your life, not just if you happen to be dropped into the wilderness to survive? I love this. The book is written, I think, in the, it, it feels like we are, we're alongside you as you talk about this journey, and this is a book that primarily focuses on season six of Alone. Uh, and this is, it's just, you, you, I think when you read it, you feel like you're, you feel like you're there. You also have a YouTube channel as well that I've, that I've watched uh, quite a bit of where you will go through the, the subsequent seasons of Alone. I feel like you've done commentaries on the episodes from seasons, uh, at least seven and eight that I saw, I think, as well. You as... know, I've actually only done seasons six, nine and Frozen. Oh, is that it? Oh, okay. 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 So then it was that that I watched. Sorry. Um, no but I feel like that's really interesting as well to watch you, you know, to watch you talk about seasons and, and, and the show that you're not on, you know what I mean? And to watch, to hear you talk about it 
is really interesting and to have your opinion on it. And then uh, to obviously to hear you talk about your own experiences are in, is incredible, but also to hear you talk about the the episodes that are coming out as they're going. I will always watch your your kind of reaction episodes because it, I, I want that 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 insight you have like true incredible insight into this process and what it is and and what the people are dealing with and that's really interesting thank you yeah i agree i I think that a lot of people comment on alone why didn't they do this why shouldn't have done that and i say things like they probably did but they weren't successful so it didn't make the cut or that's a choice that i would really question or you know, all of the things that you don't know when you've watched the show, but you don't actually know the reality of being out there. That's what I'm trying to give. And same same with the book and why I wrote it in first person, present tense, to bring people along. The whole idea is to share the experience as deeply as possible so that people understand the depth of it, not just the few little things that they're seeing on television, because there's really no way to get across some of the deeper journey of truly reaching the edge of your physical capacity, looking death in the face. That is a completely transcendent experience that there's no way it's going to come across by watching a 40-minute episode split by commercials from your couch yeah. with a bowl of popcorn on your lap. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And trying to figure out like, and everybody, I know at least for me at home, I'm like, well, I would have done this and I would have done that and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And in reality, I mean, if I tried to do any of this, I could, I, you know, I, I could last maybe three days tops, you know? <laughs> oh, you could do more than three days, Jason. I'd give you at least a week minimum. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> by the way, Jason, Jason, probably is more prepared than most because you are you get in you get you've not been out there but you've seen you're in it you are in it 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 is embarrassing (laughs) how much stuff like this i watch has convinced me that i could do stuff i could in my mind (laughs) in my mind i could build a shelter i could i've i'm like oh i could absolutely catch and skin and 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 dress a, a rabbit or something like that in it but let me be clear n- absolutely no way i could act in practicality do it. <laughs> uh, you I well, th- we should go out to the woods together sometime let's that's get it. you out there it's, it's we'll do celebrity alone uh it, 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 it's it's they drop it's you and me or a team and uh, they can p- pair paul up with somebody else and that'll be I mean, what it I'm, is i'm actually talking to some people i'm not gonna lie to you this could be a possibility <laughs> i'm in I've oh thought about gosh. this. I've thought about this a lot, and I am one hundred percent. You want Jason on your team? He's going to be a good ally. I'm so excited <laughs> that we had you here. Uh, June thirteenth is when the book comes out. It's called Never Alone: A Solo Arctic Survival Journey. Thank you so much for being here. This has been absolutely you amazing. You are the best. Uh, and I'm so glad that we got to do this. Uh, <laughs> you guys asked great this questions. Is exciting. This was awesome. Oh, I'm so glad. Is there anything that we didn't ask that you would like us? Is there anything right that you didn't get a chance to get out there or or anything that you'd like us to make sure to plug or anything like that? Yeah, I just really encourage folks if they are interested in learning more about what I do and dipping their toes in it themselves, whether you live in a skyscraper in New York City or deep in the woods in your own bunker in Montana, there are skills that will help you live a wilder, more abundant, more fulfilling life. And my passion in the world is helping you find that. Wow. Incredible. 
Incredible. I love it. This is so great. Thank you so much. <laughs> this was really just fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, thank you guys. Okay, we did it. Boom, that was the interview. Pretty good, right? I really enjoyed that, listening to the whole thing again, as I just did. <laughs> if you are interested in Wonia's book, uh, Never Alone, A Solo Arctic Survival Journey, it is out now, uh, right? Is it out now? Is this episode coming out after June 13th? Uh, no, it'll no? be out no. the following okay. week. Keep this in. Okay, so it's not out now. I lied. It comes out June 13th. You can pre-order it now at buckskinrevolution.com and follow her on Instagram and YouTube at buckskinrevolution. Now that we're done talking about Fast X, although, let's be honest, will we ever be done talking about Never. Fast X? Of course not. Never. Never. We're going to be talking about it forever. But what we are going to talk about right now is next week's movie. So, next week, we are going to... Talk about the 1994 Melanie Griffith, Ed Harris movie, Milk Money. We've already recorded this episode. We did it at Largo a couple of weeks ago. I I had never heard of this movie, Milk Money. Had you guys? Had anybody seen this movie prior to the show? Never heard Um, of it. Wild. Absolutely wild stuff in this movie. I cannot recommend it enough. And... To connect to this week's Matinee Monday, Casey Wilson came and joined us for our discussion of Milk Money, uh, who appeared on the Drop Dead Fred episode that I just mentioned is about to come out again. So uh, it's a Casey Wilson week. Check it out. It was a it was a blast uh, when we did it at Largo. It is a bl- I, I'm assuming it's going to be a blast to listen to. So check it out. And we will be back here again a week later to hear uh, all your thoughts and your uh, your nonsense, Dr. Guts. <laughs> Here's a short breakdown of the plot. Do I really have to give a breakdown of the plot of Milk Money? All right, here we go. Get ready. Someone else wrote this, but I'm going to read it. Three 12-year-old boys. Get ready, everybody. Three 12-year-old boys travel into the city in hopes of paying a woman $100 to see her naked. Guys, that's the, that's the, that is the inciting incident of the movie. There, the boys meet a sex worker named V, played by Melanie Griffith, who returns with them to the suburbs to live with one of the boys and his awkward single father. Okay, that is kind of what happens in the movie, but that barely scratches the surface of what is straight bananas about this movie. This movie's got a little bit of Jonathan Demme's um, Something Wild. It's a little bit of Martin Scorsese's After Hours. There's a real, there's a lot of nuts stuff in here. I really enjoyed it. I had a great time doing the episode, so check it out. Rotten Tomatoes apparently gives it a 12% on their tomato meter, but I let's. I don't even need to give them. We don't need to rely on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, uh, one of the reviews, though, from the Austin Chronicle says, quote, sour is not the word for it. The milk obtained from this money is positively rancid. Oh, no. Okay, wow. <laughs> oh, no. Marjorie Baumgarten from the Austin Chronicle absolutely savaged <laughs> the movie Milk Money. Um, oh, and while we're here, uh, Tech Q14, if you don't mind, is the Milk Money trailer. Paramount Pictures presents... Yeah, look, it's a girl. Unexpected. What do you say? Thank you. Unconventional. She's funny, she watches cartoons, and she likes ice cream, and she likes you, Dad. Uh, uninhibited feelings. Why do I have to take off my pants? Because men are better listeners when they're not wearing pants. Okay. In a story about <laughs> unconditional love. Yeah. Melanie Griffith, Ed Harris, Milk Money, rated PG-13. 
Okay, wow, that was crazy. You can stream Milk Money for free on Hoopla. Oh, boy. Is that really one, or did we make that up? Is that <laughs> a fake a, one? It's a free streaming service offered by many public libraries. Oh, nice. Oh, oh, I thought that yeah, was it's Canopy. Like canop- there's Canopy and Hoopla. Oh, I didn't know there was a second one. Okay, great. Oh, awesome. So you can watch it for free on Hoopla, which is a free streaming service offered by many public libraries, which was the next line. You just told me. I could have kept reading and found out that for myself. <laughs> or you can rent it on Apple TV, Prime Video, YouTube, Google Play, etc. It's all it's all it's out there. Okay, so we're almost at the end of this episode, but before we go, check out this bonus scene from our Fast X show where we discuss the scene where Brie Larson meets Vin in the Italian bar. Ooh, this is a good one. Take a listen. But she goes to that club, and I guess like one of the prerequisites to Hang on in that Italian club as you got to like beat the shit out of everybody, which, you know, Vin Diesel did not do because he's yeah. never had a fight in his life. But I guess he had no casualties. So they respect him That's for that. Like not what I like ascribe to an Italian club. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, Italians. It's like they'd be like, here hey, we are. Yeah. Here we like, are. A in pretty Naples. girl comes into an Italian bar. They're not trying to kick her ass. Like She's being treated very nicely. Trust well, me. Also, the guy, she's like, I'm looking for someone. She puts money on the bar. She's starts fighting everybody and then the bartender hands her a shotgun yeah and it's like why did that happen i'm on your side <laughs> he's like did That's she tie into Italian. the naples thug that bar the what is part this? where i'm like i'm straight up missing something here like yeah well the other thing i didn't get is scott eastwood aka little oh. nobody was the same role like they both are people who work for the agency who help them like well also fought their happen? dad their dad is Kurt Russell and they both work Wait, for are the they agency. siblings no 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 no, no. I think Sheena what? Russell is his mentor and her dad she oh, okay, is got it. Kurt right Russell's daughter okay, but yeah it. Scott Eastwood is just the exact oh, are they gonna get married in the next oh one? boy okay so that's it for the show I am gonna shout out a few things that I want people to watch or check out. And I also have a request. I, I've spoken on this podcast a bunch of times about my love for the British TV series on Peacock called We Are Lady Parts. The uh, writer-director of that show has a new movie out. Uh, Nita Banzur is her name. And the movie is called Polite Society. Here we are talking about Fast X. And, uh, you know, Paul and I spend so much time talking about... Um, uh, Marvel and DC and Star Wars and all these mega titanic um, IP things where we live in a world in, of gigantic IP based movies. So I want to spend a brief moment highlighting a smaller movie that needs attention that I just thought was absolutely dynamite. I don't want to give too much away, but if you liked We Are Lady Parts, you'll love Polite Society. It's about two, two um, sisters one of whom wants to be an artist, one of whom wants to be a stunt woman in a disapproving, uh, their family's disapproving and what what's going on in their lives. And it's just a very funny, very sweet, very heartfelt, incredibly wonderful movie that deserves everybody's attention. I know I shouted out Rye Lane a few weeks ago. This is another small British, com- in this case, a coming of age, uh, not a rom-com, a coming of age story that I think is absolutely fantastic that everybody should check out. It's called Polite Society. Please rent it. I think it's rentable. Um, give them your money. Support them. It's it's it, these are the movies that need our support. We don't need to be putting billions of dollars into the pockets of gigantic tech companies. Let's support smaller filmmakers. Come on, polite society. Let's do it. Go. Also, Primo on Freebie. 
Um, uh, shouts to Jason Concepcion, who's a writer on this show. I think this show is hilarious and another sweet coming-of-age story. It's on freebie. It's fantastic. You're going to have to watch ads, but it's a terrific show. Uh, the whole season's up now, and it's dynamite. Primo. Watch it. Now, I have a request. I also just watched the Karen Dalton documentary. Uh, I think it's called In My Own Time. Incredible uh, documentary about the folk musician Karen Dalton that I absolutely loved. There is a documentary about another singer-songwriter that I love, uh, Judy Sill. And I can't find this documentary anywhere. So can somebody figure out how and where I can watch the movie that's about, the documentary that's about Judy Sill? Okay, that's it. I'm putting it out there. I feel like one of you nerds is going to be like, oh, here, it's here. It lives on this thing. Maybe it's on Hoopla. I don't know. <laughs> but I want to I watch that movie, and I couldn't find it anywhere. So that's my whole deal. Uh, but watch Polite Society. Check out Primo. Uh, that's the stuff. Okay, that's it for the show. Rate and review. I know it's crazy. Everybody says it, but it helps. So just do it. Just don't be assholes about it. Just rate <laughs> and review. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, make sure you are following us. Visit us on social media at HDTGM. Okay, if you want to listen to How Did This Get Made without commercials, our entire archive is up at Stitcher Premium. For a free one-month trial, use the word bonkers, okay? Use the word bonkers and you're going to get a month and you can have access to everything. Big thanks to our producers, Scott Sani, Molly Reynolds, uh, Avril Halley, uh, who helps us pick out our movies. Incredible work, as always. Our engineer, Alex Gonzalez. Alex, coming in in a clutch clutch helping me with all my tech problems our publisher july diaz jess cisneros who makes our amazing social media videos and i think that's it thank you guys for helping me uh through this event of uh, an episode <laughs> this uh, it's I mean, like a largo show seamless. this is how long they are as well <laughs> yeah i feel like i need a cigarette that was long <laughs> this was long. This was this was too long, in fact. Um, but I'm committed to cutting nothing out of it. So this is hopefully gonna, you've just this is gonna air unfiltered and yeah, raw. As We're is just uploading it yeah. right now. <laughs> That's how we do it. We do it raw. Okay, everybody. We'll see you next week for Milk Money. Eat shit. <laughs> Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.